0: This message by Mike Pluniac was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Mike serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. As Bill mentioned last week, we kicked off. A new series on the book of 1 Peter as we begin walking verse by verse through this letter from the Apostle Peter that is so helpful and applicable to us today as a church with all that is going on around us. 1 Peter Chapter 1, we're going to read the first two verses. We're going to focus on the second half on verse 2 today, but we're going to read both verses. And this is what God's Word says to us today. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. My prayer is that grace and peace would be multiplied to you today from the preaching of God's word. Peter has a greeting here for these Christians and for us that is packed with truth and comfort. It is as I have thought about it this week, it is the perfect greeting. I was thinking about it this week, how greeting cards have become big business in the USA. I have no idea how they started. I have no idea how they've turned into a business like this. But there are aisles upon aisles of greeting cards for birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, new babies being born Words of sympathy, friend diversaries. There's a section for friend diversaries, holidays. Right now, you can find rows of ho- of Halloween cards, which I didn't even know you gave cards at Halloween, but that must be becoming a thing right now because there's tons of them there. There's congrats cards, and my favorite is the just because cards. I saw those this week and I thought, I think they just came out of, ran out of ideas for cards. And I imagine some meeting and some guy says, how about cards just because? That is genius right there. We can sell some just because cards. Finding the right card for someone can take literally hours. This week I was searching for a card for someone's birthday. Uh, I was looking row upon row, aisle of aisle. There was another older gentleman there. We both looked at each other and just were both like, yeah, we're having the same experience right now. And then we hit each other like 30 minutes later, two aisles over. Like, yeah, you're still here. I'm still here too. It is a hard process. There are cheesy cards and humorous cards and oversized cards and serious ones. And one's trying to be spiritual and deep. And one's trying to build up how awesome the person is. And poetic cards. One's with dancing and music. Pop-up cards. Finding the right card that fits the moment. And fits the person is a Herculean task. It's hard to get the perfect greeting card. This morning, Peter has found the perfect greeting for these believers and for us this morning. It fits the moment perfectly. There's so much packed into these two verses. So much meaning. So much truth. So much encouragement. I I imagine as they began to read this and hear Peter greet them and remind them of truth. It was just like water for their souls. It was refreshing. It's the perfect greeting for what they are going through. It connects with their struggles yet fills them with truth about God and hope for the future. And I think Peter wants to greet us today and he wants to bless us by reminding us who we are in Christ and the sovereign work of God in our lives and the continued work of the Holy Spirit in our lives conforming us to the image of Christ. And so this morning we're going to unpack these verses and we're going to Be greeted by Peter. And he's going to impart to us, I believe, hope in exile. He's going to fill us with hope. You'll notice here, Bill mentioned that all three members of the Trinity are mentioned in verse 2. This text is all about the triune God. The Trinity is meant to communicate the triunity of God. The truth that God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that each person is fully God and there is one God. Three statements. To deny any of these three statements leads to a false belief about the true God, that God eternally exists as three persons, that each person is fully God, and yet there is one God. Our fourth and fifth graders on the other side of this wall over here are learning the New City Catechism. And a question they learned and memorized just a few weeks ago is this. The question is, how many persons are there in God? And the answer is, there are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. So you can quiz them, okay? You can ask them, how many persons are there in God? And hopefully they know there are three. In our text today, Peter is rejoicing in the salvation and identity we find in relationship to this triune God. He helps us understand the work of each member of the Trinity in our lives and he is rejoicing and he's reminding them of the work of the Father and the Spirit and the Son that he is at work in them today. He is at work in us today. So this morning we're going to have three points focusing on the three persons of the Trinity. If there was ever a moment for a three-point sermon, this was it. I think this gives actually a defense for three-point sermons. You know, it's just triune. There's something right about it. So point number one this morning, we are chosen by the Father. Chosen by the Father. Bill explained to us last week what it means in verse one that we are elect exiles. And Peter is continuing that sentence in verse two, what we are going to focus on today. And he's explaining how that came to be and what that means for us that we are elect exiles. So he begins, look at verse 2. He says, to those who are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Foreknowledge is not referring to merely that God knows in advance that they would belong to Him. Okay, it's not trying to communicate that God has information. It has, this, this word has an ordaining aspect to it. God foreordained. God chose in advance those who would belong to him. I, I, the word foreknowledge almost sounds impersonal when Peter here means the exact opposite. It's very personal for Peter. His intention is trying to communicate to these believers the personal aspect of God's knowledge. God has a a personal, loving, fatherly knowledge of you. He knows you. He He doesn't have just information about you from the past. He knows you from before you were born. He knew you personally. He knew exactly what was going to happen to you. It means that before we were born... God personally chose to set his covenant love upon us. That he predestined for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is what Romans 8.29 says. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It's, It's about this personal love and knowledge of God the Father. Charles Spurgeon says this. This is like a Spurgeon morning this morning. He says, I believe the doctrine of election because I am quite certain that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I am sure he chose me before I was born or else he never would have chosen me afterwards and he must have elected me for reasons unknown to me for i never could find any reason in myself why he should have looked upon me with special love it's that truth that that, that peter's trying to capture in the foreknowledge of god the father it's this special love for these believers and it's this truth That carries particular meaning to the recipients of this letter in the midst of the suffering they are going through. They are suffering. They are going through trials. And Peter is a very practical letter. He's applying theological truths about God to their present circumstances. These Christians are walking through a trial. They are experiencing hostility towards them. Hostility in the form of social pressure against them. They are being slandered. They are being falsely accused. They're being treated as criminals. Their character is being maligned. These fairly new Christians are experiencing, throughout this letter, you're going to find them experiencing grief and fear and anxiety and confusion. And Peter is trying to impart hope in exile to them. And this truth of the sovereignty and the foreknowledge and this special love of God for them is meant to comfort them. God has chosen them. God choosing them is not just some theological heady truth that they're given to use at dinner parties to impress their friends, you know, not that that would be any impressive, but it was not this heady knowledge, it was a practical truth. That was meant to comfort them in the midst of very real suffering. Because I'm sure they were having the same questions we have when we face trials and suffering and persecution. We want to know why. Why is this happening? And maybe more importantly, we want to know, does God care? God, are you... Are you paying attention? Are you aware of what's happening right now? Are you aware of what I'm walking through right now? And Peter tells us, yes, he knows. And yes, he cares for you. And yes, he is working right now in the midst of this trial. He is at work. God's foreknowledge means that nothing that is happening to them is a surprise to God. Let me ask you something. Has 2020 surprised you? If you're saying no, you are lying right now. It has surprised me. I don't think anyone thought this would be 2020. Let me ask you, has 2020 surprised God? No. God is at work. Nothing has been put on pause for God this year. This is what Kevin DeYoung says. He says, 2020 is not a big pause year for the kingdom. A lot of things have been delayed, canceled, or paused, but not God's work in the world. He doesn't want them, Peter doesn't want them to be surprised by trials. He's actually going to say that in chapter 4 verse 12. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial as if something strange were happening to you. Nothing strange is happening to us, okay? God has foreordained these things. He wants them to know. We can have a tendency to believe that that God is with us and blessing us when all is going well, while wondering if God has forgotten us when we are suffering. Peter here has no problem saying we are chosen, we are loved, we are cared for by God, and at the same time we are exiles in the world who will endure suffering. Okay, for some, elect exiles is an oxymoron it's like trying to mix together water and oil but for peter one for one who witnessed the sufferings of christ for one who has endured imprisonment and beatings and persecution god's sovereignty is a comfort and a reassurance to him peter is going to mention suffering almost 20 times in this letter in every single Chapter, it's going to come up. And from the beginning and throughout, he wants you to have a right understanding of suffering, a God centered perspective. And so he's going throughout this letter to give us a theology of suffering and to help us know how to respond to it, to not be surprised by it, to not be ashamed when we walk through suffering. He's going to remind us over and over that Christ himself was rejected and suffered. He's going to help them understand how God lovingly uses trials to grow their faith, their character, their longing for heaven. And he's going to tell us All of this, these trials, this suffering, this persecution, everything that God has given to us is going to result in praise and glory and honor to Jesus Christ. This year is going to bring praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And what Peter, from the very beginning of this greeting, is doing for us is he is trying to to lift our gaze beyond our immediate trials and anxieties and social concerns and pressures, and he wants us to understand the eternal purposes of God. He's lifting our gaze this morning. Listen, I have terrible eyesight, okay? I am extremely nearsighted. So, without contacts or glasses, I can see uh, a few feet in front of me, possibly maybe only a few inches in front of my face. And when I put contacts or glasses on, all of a sudden, the world becomes clear. I can see things. What, what's happening in our text is for these Christians, these trials and pressures are right in their face. This suffering, this persecution, this daily attack, this slandering it's right in their face. It's clear as day. And everything beyond that is kind of blurry to them. It's hard to see what's happening, what's going on. And what Peter is doing is he's putting spiritual glasses on them. And he's bringing into clear perspective the eternal purposes of God. And so he says, listen, elect exiles. This is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He wants to bring into focus the eternal sovereignty and love and goodness of God for them. They are chosen by the Father. Secondly, point number two, they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look back at our text. To those who are elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, In the sanctification of the Spirit. Now, sanctification is a big word. To sanctify something is to make it holy. So, sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit makes us holy. Makes sense. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is making us holy. And there's really two aspects to sanctification in the New Testament. We don't really know which one Peter is referring to. I I think it's really both of them. There's two aspects of sanctification. One aspect is being set apart for a holy purpose. So to be sanctified is to be set apart for a holy purpose. So in the Old Testament, They would take certain items for the temple and they would sanctify it. They would consecrate it. They would set it apart saying, this item is going to be holy. It's going to be set apart for God to use in the temple. Or the priests, when they would minister or go into the Holy of Holies, they would be sanctified. They would be set apart and cleansed and purified as they would enter into the presence of God. So being sanctified is connected to being chosen. God has chosen you and He has, by the Holy Spirit, set you apart for His glory. He has sanctified you. It has to do with our identity. We are known as God's people, as those who have been set apart as followers of Christ. So part of our sanctification is being empowered to live according to our identity as God's people. So important to remember who we are because everything around us really is trying to define us by either what we look like or what we do. School has just started back and we've been talking with our kids about identity. It's interesting and it's kind of humorous to us looking back at high school, how everybody identifies themselves. You kind of fit into a group by what you do. So, you know, you have the athletes over here, or you have the artists, or the musicians, or the nerds, or the cheerleaders, or the the gamers, or the, the Billie Eilish dark and serious crowd, you know, who are real deep and spiritual and intense. And everyone is trying to figure out, where do I fit in? And we found it humorous that you're not allowed to switch groups. So, if you're an athlete... You know, you can't hang out with the band kids over here. And once you're a band kid, you're kind of a band kid for life, you know? And we thought it was, it's silly that you're defined by you play a sport, so that defines you, or you play an instrument, so that defines you. We are kind of laughing at that. And, it, and then I realized, you know, this doesn't stop after high school. It just keeps going. People are still trying to define themselves and find their identity in what they look like or their sexuality or their career or their hobbies. We're trying to find where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Peter is saying, you've been chosen by God in the sanctification of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has set you apart as God's people. This is where you belong. This is your identity. This is who you are. This is what's most important about you. You are known by the triune God. You were chosen by God the Father and the Holy Spirit has sanctified you. He has grabbed a hold of you and set you apart to be used for God's glory. This is what it means to be in the sanctification of the Spirit. This is one aspect of it. The second aspect is the Spirit sanctifies us by growing us in actual holiness. So, He he sets us apart and then He continually works inside of us and He grows us. The Holy Spirit doesn't stop working in us at regeneration or after regeneration. He is the chief architect of our sanctification or our growth to be more and more holy. So through the Holy Spirit we are given a new identity and we are infused with new power. Sanctification means that the Holy Spirit gradually works in Christians to free them more and more from remaining sin and to make them more like Christ in faith and And love and holiness. And we're going to see this throughout 1 Peter. Later on in chapter 1, Peter is going to call us to be holy in all of our conduct. Because the Holy Spirit has set us apart as God's people and made us holy, he's going to call us to be holy. He's going to talk about the battle going on in our hearts in chapter 2, verse 11. Peter says that there are Sinful passions that are waging war against our soul. And the Holy Spirit opposes these sinful desires. The Holy Spirit convicts us and empowers us and and fills us and enables us to obey God. So God has set you apart and He fills you with His Spirit every day. And what we find in the New Testament is that. The whole goal of this is that we might live with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He set us apart. He's he's made us holy. And what He does inside of us, we learn from Galatians 5, is He grows us to be more loving, more joyful, have more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, to be more faithful, more gentle, have more self-control. Don't you think the world needs more of those things right now? I do. We need more love and more joy, more patience, more kindness, more self-control, more goodness, more gentleness. If we don't bring those as our unique contribution to the conversation, who will? These are fruits of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is daily sanctifying us that we would be filled with good fruit and put to death these sins. He sets us apart as holy and then every day he's growing us to be more and more holy day by day. These fruits of the Spirit, fruit of being sanctified by the Spirit are what David Powelson called a moderate makeover. Okay, these these are supernatural things, but he called it a moderate makeover. And what he meant is that none of these fruits of the Spirit are extreme or edgy or radical or dramatic. You know, growing to be more gentle or more faithful or more kind. Having more peace is not edgy. It's not going to set off fireworks for anyone. Being a more joyful person, you know, is not this great... Uh, firework experience, people will see. But this is what Powelson says. He says, growing in sanctification of the Spirit is more valuable than anything else you could desire in this earth. And he says that the fruit of the Spirit can have a profound impact on those around us. Being a more loving person, a more kind person, a more gentle person. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in the sanctification of the Spirit we see in verse 2. And what we're going to find is these trials they're walking through are, gro- are going to help them grow to be more faithful and loving. This is what Peter is going to tell us. These trials are going to help them to be sanctified by the Spirit, which means 2020 might be a year of significant growth in our lives. I love that testimony this morning from Kimberly, just showing how God is at work in her life, growing her. She's growing in faith, growing in love, growing in communion with God. In community group, we talked about that this week as our community group. We talked about how this year has made us grow in our faith. And it's made us grow in our dependence on God. It's made us grow in loving others and having compassion for others. It's made us grow in being more gentle. We might look back at 2020, not like a wasted year, but like a year that God used for significant growth in our lives. I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Christian. You've been chosen by God the Father, set apart by God the Holy Spirit, that you might live in obedience to Jesus Christ. This is our third point this morning. Point three, obedient to the Son. God the Father chose us. God the Spirit chose sanctifies us that we might live in obedience to God the Son. And you'll notice in this verse here that it's not this obedience that saves us. It's not we obey and then God chooses us and the Spirit sanctifies us. It's the other way. God chose us and the Spirit sanctified us for obedience to Jesus Christ the Son. Obedience is not a bad word. The temptation when suffering for following Christ is, our temptation can be when we we are being persecuted, is to want to compromise, to try to fit in. Part of being chosen by the Father and set apart by the Spirit is that we might follow Christ and be obedient to Him in our lives. This is what He has called us to. As chosen exiles, our lives should be moving towards increasing obedience to Christ. Is your life moving towards increasing obedience to Jesus Christ? increasing obedience. Okay? Not perfect obedience. But he says that we're chosen by the Father, sanctified by the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, no matter how much we obey, it will always be incomplete. We won't be perfect until glory, so we continually need the blood of Christ. So I love Look at the end of verse 2 here, after he says, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and I love how Peter adds this, and for sprinkling with his blood. This is clearly an Old Testament reference. It's a connection to the Old Testament, where being sprinkled by the blood was a sign of their need for forgiveness And it was a sign when Moses in Exodus 24, when God gave them the law and they were being set apart as God's people, God sprinkled half the blood on the altar and He took half the blood and He sprinkled it on the people as a sign that they were God's covenant people that they were forgiven by the blood of sacrifice. And then in Leviticus 14 we learn that the sprinkling of blood is used as a cleansing. When they were unclean they would be cleansed by sprinkling of the blood. And Peter is reminding them that All of this is pointing forward to Jesus Christ, and we as God's people have been sprinkled by his blood. We've been set apart. We're those who've been forgiven and cleansed day by day with the blood of Jesus Christ. So here, I love how Peter does this because he's both exhorting them to obedience, but he's also comforting them when they fail. He's reminding us we are forgiven continually, not by works but by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you'll find this as we study this letter that Peter again and again and again is going to bring us back to the gospel. He's going to say you're suffering and you're facing trials and you're going to be tempted to be ashamed like you're doing something wrong. Don't forget Christ. He was rejected and suffered. Look to Jesus. He's going to remind them that Christ suffered once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. He's going to remind them as they suffer that they are sharing in Christ's sufferings. And he keeps over and over and over, he keeps bringing them back to the gospel. I love how he does this in the greeting. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We need to be reminded who we are in Jesus Christ that we are those who have been sprinkled by his blood and we are forgiven not by our works but by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been chosen by God. We've been sanctified by the Spirit for obedience to Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. This is who I am today and I want to live as one set apart for Jesus Christ. Milton Vincent says this, he says, over the course of time, preaching the gospel to myself every day has made more of a difference in my life than any other discipline I have ever practiced. I find myself sinning less, but just as importantly, I find myself recovering my footing more quickly after sinning due to the immediate comfort found in the gospel that's what i feel like peter is doing in this text in the greeting he's bringing us immediate comfort found in the gospel he's reminding us who we are and he wants us to take heart be encouraged stand firm in the faith this is who you are elect exiles This is who from eternity past God has done. He has known you and loved you and called you. The Holy Spirit has filled you. He has sanctified you. You have been sanctified for obedience to Christ and sprinkling with His blood. This is who you are. All of this that's happening around you. The Father is behind all of this, He sang. The hidden counsel of the eternal Trinity has planned for us to be His elect exiles. Everything we are walking through, God is with us, he's telling them. It's the perfect, 1 Peter is the perfect book for the moment, it seems like. Because God's going to help us be firm in the faith and remind us who we are and what we're called to be and do. This is what Juan Sanchez says in his commentary on 1 Peter. He says, And so, 1 Peter is a letter we desperately need to read and wrestle with and believe today. In these hardening times, some of us will be tempted to compromise what we believe in order to fit in or to avoid suffering. While others of us will be tempted to bemoan all that is wrong with our world and long nostalgically for a better time long forgotten, and that likely never actually existed. Peter will equip us to stand firm against both temptations as we look forward to a better future. Peter will repeatedly remind us that in spite of our status as exiles in this world, we have a secure standing before a sovereign and faithful God Who will vindicate his covenant people on that last day. Peter will give us what we need to stand firm. So thankful for this book. And I love how Peter ends this greeting with a prayer for them. A blessing really. Where he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to have peace multiplied? Wouldn't it be nice to have grace multiplied? And what he means by that is he wants them to experience grace and peace in abundance. I love the NASB. It says, in the fullest measure, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure measure. May it be overflowing. You know, that's what he wants to impart to them through writing this letter to them. I want grace and peace to be multiplied and multiplied and multiplied until it is in the fullest measure. And I believe as we study God's word and apply it to our lives and wrestle with it and believe it today, that is going to be our experience from 1 Peter. Grace and And peace will be multiplied to you. So, here is a greeting card for you this morning. No cheesy sayings. Nothing's going to pop out of it. You know, no dancing, no music, no bad poetry. It's signed by Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank You For your holy word you have preserved for us today. And I pray for this congregation here this morning, those who are with us, those who are watching at home this morning, that you would impart faith to them this morning. That you would impart to them an eternal perspective that you are a sovereign God, that you are good, that you are loving, that you are at work in their lives today for your glory, God, that you are not absent from our sufferings, that you are not distant from us in our sufferings, but you are with us. So impart that faith to us today, Father, for your glory and for your name, that everything we do might be in praise and honor and blessing to Jesus Christ our savior. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Mike Pluniac during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.